0: Well, it's great to be here. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm Brad Brucker. I'm the campus pastor over at Sherwood, also the Multiply pastor. So it's been kind of a journey for me for the last six months to be part of Horizon, and it's been an exciting journey, and I'm, I'm really, really uh, just continue to be more and more excited about what's going on. I uh, don't know if you know what's been going on out in the, in the, the Hulu world lately, uh, but uh, Uh, Seinfeld just aired on Hulu anybody familiar with Seinfeld yeah Uh, you know so you can see all the uh, episodes all the seasons now on Hulu and my my son my 15 year old son Nathan and my 20 year old uh, Willie they are watching Seinfeld and they're they're just really excited about that and and, um, I remember Seinfeld it came out about 1989 And so I'm an old Seinfeld guy. But uh, uh, what's amazing is that it it, it became like the number one sitcom. And uh, you think about that, you think about Seinfeld, and now everybody's more excited about it than ever because it's now out on Hulu and you can watch it just unending forever, right? Before we had to wait every week. But um, I thought about why is Seinfeld so, there's such a draw to it. And I think I figured it out. They're just a bunch of mess-ups. That's really what they are. They're just a bunch of mess-ups. Very similar to you and me, right? Yeah. And then I thought about, you know, I thought about this message, and I thought about Jesus, and I thought about, you know, the the, the first 12 disciples that he actually went out and chose. And I thought about those guys, and I thought, those guys are just a bunch of mess-ups too. You think about it. And that's what gives me hope. When I first uh, started reading the gospel, when I first came to Christ, uh, I started reading the gospels and, and uh, I met this guy named Peter. You familiar with him? Peter is really one of the core three, uh, Peter, James, and John. All three of those guys were fishermen. Probably foul mouth fishermen, right? And uh, But, you know, Jesus chose these guys to make... Really change the world. It'd be kind of like him choosing uh, George Costanza and and Jerry Seinfeld, right? And Kramer. Remember him? You know Kramer. I love Kramer. You know. Think about him. I think about. That's what Jesus is choosing to change the world. It's amazing, isn't it? Think about that. And. uh I first met Peter, you know, early on in my Christian journey. And, and I thought, you know, this guy's like the ultimate mess-up. He was impulsive, promised things he, he couldn't deliver. Uh, you know, uh, he, he, he did all sorts of things. one point, cut off, cut off a guy's ear, just kind of impulsively. Couldn't hold him back. Um, seemed incredibly courageous at times, but then also was cowardice. And as I looked at Peter, I thought, man, Jesus chose this guy. He's a lot like me. Maybe there's hope for Brad, I thought. Wow, that's cool. And most of us, though, if we were thinking about a world-changing mission and a guy we would choose, we would not choose Peter. In fact, most of us probably would just give up on him right from the get-go. Jesus saw something in Peter. In fact, Jesus tested Peter as he was choosing his disciples. And that's really where I want to go today. I want to go into Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And I want to look at where Jesus chose Peter. And he was actually testing Peter. So he gives them really, I think, five discipleship tests. Five tests. And these tests can be applied to our lives too. In fact, in your program, there's a little test section in there. You can take the test today. It's not a Scantron. We're not going to come back and say, hey, you, 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 you know, no, you, this is for you. Okay. So let's go there. Luke chapter five. And what I do over in Sherwood, anyway, I have people stand on or God and his word to us. I think that's important for me. I just do that. Uh, it's one of my little things. I actually checked with pastor Stan to see if that was okay. He said, said, yes, Brad, that's one of those little nuances that different preachers do. So you go ahead and do that. So I'm here today, right? I got the mic. And uh, so I'm going to have you stand to honor God and his word to us. I want to read the first 11 verses of Luke. It's going to be on the screen. If you brought a Bible, that works too. You can touch whatever, however you can get it. I say get it, right? So this is what it says. Just follow along as I read. It says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, that is Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said, Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but if you say so, I will let down the nets." At the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Okay, maybe seated. Well, it's a pretty amazing little story. Jesus course, he's, he's preaching to the masses, he's preaching the word of God to the masses, and they're, they're, they're crouched, kind of coming in on him, he's, he's, he's back up against the shore, and he says, you know, I need, a, I need a sufficient podium to preach to these people. So he sees Peter's boat, and he's kind of multitasking here, and he thinks, you know what, I'm going to test this guy to see if he can be one of my disciples. So he gets into Peter's boat probably sees if he's going to get a rise out of Peter. What's he doing in my boat, right? But he also says to Peter, can you push this out to shore to exactly where I want it? And we assume that that's what Peter did. I think what he was doing, he was testing to see if Peter could follow directions. And that's the first test of a disciple. You know, this is the question. And ask it to yourself. Can I follow directions? Can I follow directions? Yes, no, depends. You know, what is it? The Bible is God's directions. Can you follow God's word? We believe all of it's God's word. Jesus was teaching the word of God that day. Yeah, but he was just saying. and he, he, Peter actually got it right there, uh, the word in the flesh, right from Jesus himself. We get it through the words of Scripture that are alive and well today as well. So can we follow this book? Can we do that? Okay. Uh, key test for entry-level employees, disciples, potential leaders, whatever it was, is give them something very little to do. so that It won't wreck your organization, right? Give them something little to see if they can just do it quickly. I do this all the time. I see something in somebody, You know what? let me give him something little. Before I give him a card with a title on it, let me see if I give him something little. Jesus was just, give him something little to do. Give him something little to do. So, I got a couple tests for you, a couple tests. You have on your seats this, right? I went through this one of the times I was here a while back, I can't even remember, but this is our little grow booklet. This is the pathway to tr- transform life. This is the pathway to become a sold out disciple For Jesus, okay? This is something we've put together to help everyone grow, to help everyone encourage people to follow Jesus with their whole heart. So I'm going to ask you just to, I'm not going to go through it today, just put it in your Bible, uh, put it in your program, whatever. Take it home with you and start going through it. Follow the directions in this. And over time, you will become a more devoted follower of Jesus. I promise, if you grow in these areas. I promise. Here's a simpler thing. It's a real simple deal. Uh, the connection card. Okay, this is the connection card. Can everyone say connection card? <laughs> this is just a little test to follow directions. Come on, connection card. Yeah, this is a key tool for us to connect with you. But honestly, honestly, this is also a key tool to connect people to Jesus. That's what it's for. And here's the deal. If you're a long time uh, horizon attender, member, whatever, um, uh, you are probably apt not to fill this out. Okay? Oh, I filled that out, you know. And if you're, if you're a man you're gender- and you, your wife's with you, ah, you oh, my wife does that, you know. Right? Dude, <laughs> not anymore. Can you follow directions, man? Here, really. Here, can you fill this out? and put it in the basket. Come here, come here, come here. Yeah, yeah. Can you fill that out? Yeah, go ahead. Can you fill that out? That'd be awesome, man. And I want to talk to you after the service. That'd be great. I've got another one for someone else who can't fill these things out, okay? Here's the thing, okay? Listen, we want to connect with people checking out church Jesus for the first time. If you fill it out and you're next or near somebody like that, and they see you pulling it out, they're more apt to actually fill it out. Do you know that? That's what it is. There really are. And we certainly want to help people connect with Jesus. That's what it's really all about. It may seem like kind of silly and stupid. But anyway, and, and couldn't you write a little prayer for somebody today that doesn't know Jesus or someone who's hurt, hurting? That you, and, and couldn't you, like, see, my takeaway from, from the message today is, is this. I We know, I know this. If you write something down, you're more apt to do it. You're not just to be hearers of the word the Bible says, but you're to be doers of the word Can you follow directions? Could you humor me right now, please? Could could I see how many hands are going to actually fill this out today and and put it in the basket later on? Okay, and the rest of you can't follow directions. (laughs) Thank you very much. The more the merrier, honestly, okay? It's just a key piece, just a key piece. And also, if you are here, Okay, and you've been here for a long time. Um, you know those back seats? Those we like to keep for first-time guests or latecomers. It's just easier for the ushers. That was something that Pastor Stan asked me to share with you. Just, you know, okay. So, okay. Score yourself. Score yourself. Here, who can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. It's a little thing. It's a little thing. Okay. Can you follow directions? Can you follow directions? It's so he, Peter followed them. Peter followed them. Okay. Why did he follow them? Why? Well, I think the next few verses give us a, a clue. It says this in verse 4, 4 and 5. When he'd finished speaking, that's Jesus finished speaking, he said to Simon, that's Peter, he said this, put out in the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, are you kidding me, master? I've been fishing all night. And I just cleaned the nets. Right? That's what he said. Something like, I just cleaned the nets. I, I, we just put them up for the next day. And now you want me to take them out and go out. It, master, I'm the professional fisherman here. You're a great teacher, Jesus. I mean, you really are, man. You're awesome. That's why I'm hanging with you. But I'm the professional fisherman here. I'm the guide. You want to catch fish, even though I didn't catch any last night. And we worked hard. Now you're telling me during the day? Come on, master. Key words, though. Verse 5. But if you say so, I will. If you say so, I will. Can we say those words out loud? If you say so, I will. Remember those words. If you say so, I will. I will. Peter submitted to Jesus' spiritual authority even when it didn't make sense. This is the second discipleship test. Can I submit to spiritual authority? If you say so, I will. Past couple weeks, my in-laws... We're here, my, my, my father-in-law and stepmother-in-law um, and you know, Ann's parents, and, and the day they were leaving, uh, Ann grabs our boys, says, uh, can we all get together for a picture? You know, it's one of those times. And for guys, it's like, oh no, not one of those times again, right guys? Okay. It's like, oh boy, you kind of roll your eyes. Another picture, really? And it's like, I've learned this. Boys, just do what your mom says. It'll be less painful and we can get it over a lot quicker. Right? If she says so, you will. Right? So, now this is also submitting to a spiritual authority because the Bible says honor your father and your mother and things will go well with you. Did you know that? So, they did. It was over rather quickly and not too painful, you know. Here's the thing about spiritual authority. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says this. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as, as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be no benefit to you. Do you know Pastor Stan, Pastor Jerry, myself, Pastor Roger,, you know, Pastor Alex, Pastor Josh, Pastor David. We're all going to have to stand before God and give an account for you. If you just kind of go along with what we say at times, just just fill out the card. <laughs> right? God's gonna go, yay. Well done, good and faithful servant, Brad. They did it. (laughs) You get it? Okay? listen. So we're talking about this merge between Horizon and Woodhaven, you know. And uh, I mean, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit just took my heart. And it's like this seemed like the right thing to do. And it was over and over and over and over. And I just saw no red flags. So now it's been six months. And one of the things we determined... Here it was. So, so I was senior pastor of a church for 16 years then we emerged, then I wasn't. Just like that. Right? It's like, whoa. What happened here? I don't get to call the shots anymore. Like, wow, man, that means I gotta submit. Yeah. So, we're doing our our messages. We're trying to do really a, a message where you know we share personal illustrations, and all that stuff. But go through the same text. We actually have a have a, about an hour and a half meeting every week to talk about where we're going. Pastor Stan leads that, all that stuff. And and so you know, I don't know. A couple of months ago, I, I I was talking to Pastor Stan. I said, Pastor Stan, you know what? Um, this is what I was taught in seminary. Um, now I was taught both ways, but I was taught two ways of preaching. One is a deductive method of preaching. That's how you preach. You, pre- you, you, you state your point, and then you, you show everybody and support it with the scriptures, right? Now, we were taught that. It's a great way to preach, right? I, I was also taught deductive preaching. That's the way I preach. I've been preaching this way for years, right? So I, I actually show you where I'm getting it, and then I state the point, right? You got it? Okay, so either one is good. And, uh, you know, he says... Uh, I said, you know, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a struggle to work this thing out. He says, well, could you just do it this way? Sure. If you say so, I will. <laughs> and it went well for a couple months, right? And then I come against this, this message we're preaching. I don't even remember the message, but I remember this. I was struggling to do it that way. I was actually struggling to do it that way. And so, um, I... Uh, I I go before the Lord, and I'm actually thinking, okay, no one will know if I just flip things a little bit. Isn't this weird how this happens, right? Okay. And so I go before the Lord, and I'm actually, you know, on my knees saying, Lord, you know, I just think I need to do this. You, You know what the Lord says to me? Brad, it's more important for you to submit to pastor Stan's authority than to do it your way. Okay. And I did, and I have, and I will, and he's blessing it. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? End of conversation. <clears throat> you know, submission is a weird thing because it's so um, warred against in our culture. Many of you know Armando, he's our uh, pastor of Esperanza. Okay. And, you know, Armando is just an incredible guy he he's come from a place he was a gang leader down in california he he's been to prison a drug addict alcoholic all that stuff you know <clears throat> and so we're we're in we're in africa took him to africa in 2010 i was mentoring him for a number of years it took him to africa in 2010 that's part of the mentoring process right so so he comes and, and he's asked to preach that day to the Rukanjiri police department of all people right Interesting, huh? How God works things out. Yeah. So he comes to me early that morning. He says, Pastor Brad, uh, uh, where, where is that, that chapter on submitting to governmental authority? Now, I didn't put this together. I just said, well, it's Romans 13, but I didn't put it together, you know. Okay, thanks. So. There that day, we get behind the Rukinjiri Police Department. There's 40 administrators, police policemen. They have ak 47 strapped to their, their arms, you know, that sort of thing. And the chief of police. So, he gets up to share the gospel, and he says, I'm the guy that you guys don't like out there. Uh, oh, Armando, not a real good intro. <coughs> you know? So, so he uh, he um, he proceeds to share that text to share his history to share, and he says, "You know, all the authority you have, God gave that to you. Did you know that?" He goes, and and they're shaking. Their, yeah, yeah, they like that. God gave us the authority. God gave us the authority. Yeah, we. God gave us the authority. So so then um, he's he's at this point, and he says, "You know." I was an alcoholic, I was a drug addict, I had issues, but addictions really weren't my main problem. You know what my problem was, he says? My problem was submission. I did not want to submit to anybody. Yeah. And then he goes on and he says, you know, when everything changes when I submitted my life to Jesus Christ. Shared about getting down on his knees and submitting his life to Jesus Christ. Everything changed. And he understands submission better than anyone I've ever mentored, honestly. It's unbelievable. But at one point, he says, listen, if anyone here wants, well, first he says this. This is really interesting. He goes, he goes do you salute here? <clears throat> they go, yeah, we salute. He goes, well, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to stand right now and I'm going to ask you to salute to the God of the universe right now. And every person, everyone stood up and they were saluting and they prayed to receive Jesus Christ in that moment. Can you believe that? That's what God can do with a submitted life. He wants to bless us. He really does. Listen, I I, I have this pastoral observation over the years. And I wonder, you know, it's on my heart big time. Why do many church attenders get it and follow Jesus with their whole heart, but almost just as many really not? You know, I just want them to, because I know the blessing. Well, the answer is in Acts chapter 5, 32. It's about obedience. The Holy Spirit is given to those who obey God. The Holy Spirit. People who actually have the Holy Spirit operative in their life, they have the ability to submit. But you have to take a step in the direction of submission. I really believe that. Yeah. You know, listen. The Bible says we're supposed to, Jesus said, love God, love people. And I really believe this. I've seen people do, to the degree that you really love people and care for people is to the degree that you really love God. They go hand in hand. To the degree that you submit to spiritual authorities in your life is to the degree that you're really submitting to God. I believe that. So, submission. Cuts. Sub- su- submission to spiritual authority cuts right at the root of rebellion and just kills it. Kills rebellion. And it doesn't allow the devil to get a foothold on your life. Okay, take the second test question. Can I submit to spiritual authority? Yes, no. Can Okay. If you can, chances are you've passed the next test question too. Look at verses 6 to 8. So, when they, they throw the nets out. They caught this huge amount of fish like never before. Biggest catch ever. ever. They signal to the partners, you know, come on over and help. They fill the boats up. The boats begin to sink. And then verse 8 is really key. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Peter falls to his knees, realizes he's in, in the presence of God Almighty. And he has a proper and right fear and respect for the Lord. Right there and then. Which means he's passed the third discipleship test question. Here it is. Ask yourself this. Do I truly fear God? Do I truly fear God? Now, the idea of fearing God uh, kind of freaks many people out. It it really does. Uh, Even Christ followers. Uh, All it really means is to respect and to revere most highly the God of the universe. I mean, you think, why Fear God. Why would God want us to fear him? And some people think, certainly he wouldn't. Yes, he does. He does. Now think about this, okay? If he came in all his glory in your presence right now, I'm telling you, every one of us would be on our face. It would scare the you-know-what out of us. It would. Whoa. I mean, God has more power in one pinky than a gazillion nuclear bombs. Think about that. We would fear him. Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6. Read that. He fell on his face. Whoa, Lord, I'm a sinful man. A man with sinful lips. He did. When you're up against that holiness, it's like, whoa. You see your unholiness. That's how it works. But what's interesting about the Bible is every time God shows up through an angel or whatever, you know what the first thing he says don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? Because he wants an intimate relationship with us. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. Do you truly fear God? I love Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay? The last scene, one of the last scenes in the movie. Okay. Um, <clears throat> this, this. Uh, archaeologist, okay, and he dresses up to be the, the Hebrew priest. Do you remember the story, anybody? Anybody see this? It's a great story, okay? <clears throat> I think it illustrates the fear of the Lord really well, or the not fear of the Lord, okay? So so he's up there, and he's doing his little pretend thing. He's got the robes on and everything, and he opens up the Ark of the Covenant. Meanwhile, Indiana and the baby. He always gets the baby at the end Indiana, right? Always does that. You gotta love that, right? Okay. So, 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 so they're up here in Indiana saying to his gal, Don't look at it. Don't look. Don't look. Has a proper fear of the Lord, right? But this guy, he's, he's looking into the Ark of the Covenant, the priest. It's beautiful. And then they melt, their eyes pop. It's a great scene, guys, especially, right? you got to love that scene. It's a great scene. It really is. Uh, yeah. Here's some homework. Just to understand the fear of the Lord a little better. Read Numbers chapter 16. Read Numbers chapter 16 and 2 Peter chapter 2. Just to give you a little taster. I love Hebrews 12, 28, 29. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. Ho, ho, wow. Don't hear that too much anymore, do you? A devouring fire. No, we think of God as a big, gushy, Pillsbury doughboy in the sky. Right? Right? Not a devouring fire. It's a devouring fire. But he is so good. Look what the Bible promises to those who fear him, who revere him. Psalm one hundred eight eleven: For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who what? Who fear him. Okay? Psalm 103, 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Psalm 103, 17. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him his salvation extends to the children's children Those verses are promises from God himself. You want to bless your children? Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. It's a lost art so desperately needed these days, friends. It really is. The Bible says in Proverbs 910. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Many believe Stephen Hawking is the most brilliant, smartest guy in the world. But he stated that the universe does not need God to exist. Well, the Bible says that, you know, if if you know you don't believe in God, that's foolish. Right? It's foolish. I mean, you can be really smart, but not be very wise. You be really smart, but not be very wise. Peter wasn't the brightest guy that ever came down the pike. He wasn't. That's what I love about him. Gives me hope, right? But he increasingly became incredibly wise. Why? Fear of the Lord. So take the third test question. Do I truly fear God? If you truly fear God, like the second question is to the third, the fourth should be relatively easy for you. Uh, 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 Luke 5, 9. Not only Peter was astonished, but all his, his companions were. And then Jesus said to him, verse 10, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him follow Jesus biggest catch ever like, but Jesus had something even bigger than that and they were convinced they were convinced they had Jesus had a much greater mission which leads to the fourth discipleship test question will i get on board with Jesus soul saving mission will i get on board with Jesus soul saving mission Jesus issued the Great Commission right before he ascended to heaven. But he practiced the Great Commission right at the start of his ministry. That's what he did. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Jesus, actually, it's a command. Go make disciples, right? Teach them to obey. Well, first baptize them, then teach them to obey everything I commanded. You. And if you do that, I'll be with you, even till the end of the age. That's why we have this. It's an opportunity to really learn everything God commands. There's all sorts of Bible verses in here. There's there's a little test on your own. You can check yourself. It's a self-administered little test of growth. So I just say, do it. Do it. So important. So important. Will I get on board? Will I get on board? Listen, after the third service, I'm heading out on vacation for two weeks. I'm going fishing. I love fishing. I'm going to spend some time with my family. Can't wait. Last year, after many years of trying to catch the big one, I caught this this fish, okay? Caught that baby. Look at that baby, isn't that nice? (laughs) I caught that. It's called a Mackinac trout. I've been fishing for that for years. Wow, I love. I'm hoping to catch another this year. Might take me another forty years though. Catch one that big. As much as I love that, as much as I love fishing, that's not my mission. Any mission that is less than Jesus' mission in life will come up short. It will. We have condensed Jesus' Great Commission into Horizon's mission statement. Encouraging people to follow Jesus with their whole heart. That's what we're really trying to do. Encouraging the George Costanzas and the Kramers to follow Jesus with their whole heart. Because it's our only hope. He's our only hope. We have this 2020 vision. Have this 2020 vision. Uh, God gave us this 2020 vision through Pastor Stan. This is our vision to reach more people, to, to start new sites. To start new sites. Just this past week, I looked at a great possibility for a site in Lake Oswego. You know we hired a a pastor to lead that site already? We're going forward with this mission. Why? Because we want to reach lost people for Jesus. There's a lot of people headed this way. We want to redirect the trajectory of their eternities. And God wants to use the likes of us, a bunch of knuckleheads, right, to do it. So would you pray with me? Because that's one of my jobs, be the multiply pastor, to oversee the development of those sites and, and, and kind of help the pastors out of those sites get, get it done. Because that's what I love to do. you know. But, but God's put this on my heart, but he wants to, I wanted to, him to put it on all of our hearts. That's what Pastor Stan wants as well. It's an incredible vision. It's to reach out and reach lost people for Jesus. Would you do that, please? So, Question, will I get on board with Jesus' soul-saving mission? Okay. Will you? Now you think that's the goal. But that's not the goal. It's Not the goal, really. That's a byproduct of having an intimate relationship with the Lord of Lord and King, King of Kings. Okay. Verse 511 again. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything in. Keywords followed him. They left everything to what? Follow him. To walk with him. To be with him. To be in relationship with him. They did it for three and a half years, folks. And it totally radically changed their lives. They became intimate with God. It's been said, God has no favorites, just intimates. God has no favorites, just intimates. Are you one? Peter became one. And through Peter, God really rearranged the whole planet. So here's the last discipleship test question Am I becoming one of God's intimates? Am I becoming one of God's intimates? Listen. In 2011, right around this time, a year, my daughter was living in, in Sydney, Australia. She was going to Hillsong Leadership School, Sarah. And uh, I went. To visit her and one of the things that i always had on my bucket list was to dive the great barrier reef so this is my opportunity right it was like the the highest thing on my bucket list to die Now i wasn't even a diver but i said okay sarah let's go up to Cairns and let's get certified we did that for a day and a half and then we went out on a liveaboard for for three days and two nights to dive the great barrier reef and it was glorious. They had clams. I mean, clams we saw in the bottom of the, the ocean, this big. They were huge. We put our fin by and they go, you know, it was like, whoa, Mufasa. That was good. <laughs> you know, that was awesome. I'm telling you, it so cool. But as great as that was, and I checked that off my buck list, I did it. Something greater happened on that trip. My daughter became my best friend. My daughter, and she is to this day. We have such a dy- just dynamic, awesome relationship in the Lord first. We can talk about these things. It's like, wow. That was the goal of my parenting. And that's the goal of discipleship for all of us to have a dynamic, incredible relationship with Jesus. That's what it's all about. And you get that, friends? There's nothing better on this planet, I promise you. And I've been around this planet. It's unbelievable. See, you become who you hang with. You hang with Jesus, you're going to become awesome. You really will. And I think the problem with our world It's not education. It's not finance. The problem with our world is even the church. It's not too many people are really truly becoming sold out disciples. If we become sold out disciples, that world out there is going to see, they're going to want what we have because it's going to be so much better. Yeah, we'll get ridiculed. Jesus said that. But they're going to want what we have. So my question is, where are you? Maybe, grab your connection card please. Grab your connection card. On the The back, you write a prayer, maybe for a friend. I I, want to reach this person, pray for them. This is my takeaway. I'm going to become sold out for Jesus. Whatever it might be, you, whatever God spoke to you in this message. Fill out. Would you please hand this in, every person here. Follow directions. This is just a really small test, but it states where your heart's really at. Jesus, at the end of his ministry, said this. He said, I no longer call you slaves because the master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. Now you're my friends. My friends. And we do life groups around here? We're going to have an opportunity to sign up for life groups. That's a great way to become a friend of Jesus. (coughs) Two or three are gathered. There I am, Jesus. You go on vacation. I'm going out. But I've learned over the years, one of my sweetest times is not to forget about God, not to not continue to do my, my quiet times. No, that's that's when I can have my greatest intimacy with God. I can go out in my little boat, my iPhone, and put on a worship song. Like, wow. Oceans. It's a great song, isn't it? Do you know why oceans happened? Through Hillsong? Because of Peter. He actually got out of the boat and walked upon the water where his feet would fail. I love that song. There's churches all over the world named St. Peter's. Because he was a sold out disciple. He was like George Costanza. But God totally changed him. And that's, we need to be praying for ourselves as well and for others see you cannot you cannot make a disciple unless you are a disciple okay. take the test ask god to help you